0: So, Kima, thank you so much for joining me. For um, everybody that's listening, um, I'm Claire Hill, and um, this is the Forza podcast. And um, I've known Kima for, gosh, I want to say like 15 years. And um, Kima is a really special person in my life. Kima is an artist and a spoken word artist and an entertainer and a peacemaker and a community activist. Um, And so I came across a poem that Kima wrote um, and I um, wanted to share it with my audience and my circle because um, so much is happening in our world right now. So Kima, can you tell me a little bit about like what you're up to, where you're living, um, are you in Milwaukee right now? Can you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Uh, peace, yes. I am uh, Kima Hamilton and I think all the things you mentioned. Uh, um, I, I currently, I'm, I'm moving back to Anchorage, Alaska. So I guess I'm, you know, my, my, my heart is in Anchorage. Uh, physically, I've existed in Milwaukee for the last few years. Um, but I've, in these last, you know, two months, have uh, started making my way back to, back to Anchorage
0: Nice. Yeah. And um, what have you been doing in Milwaukee?
1: Um, It's a great question. I think a lot of, you know, at the, at the core, I was, I was doing the same things that I was doing here, which was, you know, facilitating. Um, Here, a lot of the conversations or facilitations were, you know, in line with uh, youth literacy work. Um, or I was, you know, and I started doing some work with Andor, the Andor Project, um, the last year or two that I was here, um, which was, you know, a lot of what I think, you know, I pivoted around in Milwaukee as well. Um, my wife and I had an organization um, that focused on youth literacy work. Um, in my professional work, I've moved into a yeah, an organization where for the last three years I've been facilitating. Um, conversation with men around uh, healing generational trauma um, as it may show up in, you know, toxic ways that we resolve conflict and relationships. And um, and in October, um, my wife and I opened a building a business called The Retreat. Uh, to retreat is to fall back in the face of a seemingly stronger power. And we just thought it was important um, in the heart of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, north side of Milwaukee, and there's just so many, um, you know, that that particular space on the planet uh, needs a, needs a venue uh, where solutions are are happening, um, where solutions solutions can happen. You know, I think we we all have yeah. uh, issues that you know that pull at our heartstrings, um, and then this last generation, I think of of uh, grassroots organizing uh, looks a lot like i think convening to express our disdain for that thing um and but then we never really continue you know the the uh gatherings aren't sustained in a way that uh, that lead into a solution you know so we end up, yeah. um so the the vision for the retreat was to um create a space where we can you know engage each other in in ways that could could lead to solutions um, so that's what's been keeping me busy these last few years.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. But, so Kiman, let me throw this out there and we'll okay. talk about it at the end. But are you um, moving back to Alaska? Are you going to be available for educators to hire you to do like literacy work with children? And I mean, is that uh, something you're still wa- able to do for schools and that writing work?
1: Something a- able to do? Yes. Um, okay I think like to to what you alluded to earlier there there's so much going on in um these last few years i've been you know so i hadn't had a personal incident where i, I intersected with uh, i was i'm going to say implicit bias i'm going to use that term um yeah. to the point where I was removed from a delta flight a couple of years ago, and um that experience uh locked. Um, as you might imagine, like it, it just gave me a hyper focus on uh, that part of the conversation I could con- that, I, that I'm capable of contributing to. So so yes, I'm, I'm uh, capable of kind of moving into those spaces and, and um, facilitating literacy, literary work, uh, youth literacy work. Um, but these last couple of years I've actually been more excited to convene the administrators um, to yeah. have conversations around implicit bias and just how those blind spots can, can be violent. Uh, oh, and, yeah. Um, and so, you know, available for it all. And you, okay. Know, you, you like personally... Okay,
0: like, I, I, I want to get your name out there. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to jump right into that, uh-huh. but um, I have had... Um, you know, I, I, can you talk to us just real quick about the Delta situation? Because um, I read about that on the news. And uh, if you're comfortable... Just, like,
1: what happened that day? Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm as comfortable as uh, the um,
0: and I know settlement. I'm, I'm as play.
1: comfortable as the settlement will allow me to be, in what I say. Okay, yeah. Um, and and ultimately, I could say this with confidence. Like, that day, um, absolutely no one was uh, in danger because I was on the plane, uh, the stewardess included. Uh, so, so... You know that as a way to address um me using the restroom i felt was heavy-handed and 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 to be honest clear like this is what i took away from that um i have one white woman saying hey he's so dangerous we should we should call we should surround the plane uh with police cars and call the fbi to remove him right and then i have another white woman saying no uh this guy was so kind um in our exchange um, that I trusted him with my child in and, and that short exchange, right? And, and for me, and you've known me long enough to know at least this much to be true, I'm very capable of articulating who and what I am. Um, so for me, my takeaway from that moment is, is you know, the way this all is set up, it still comes down to like two white women deciding who and what I am. And, and that being um, what everyone's takeaway is going to be, right? Not necessarily who I can show you I am. It's... Um, you know, in one, in one particular instance, like, you know, law enforcement literally are negotiating and navigating one white woman's um, account of what that was. Um, And my saving grace was another white woman saying, no, 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 to the point that she was willing to be public about it too. And that's another, um, Yeah. that's, that's, you know, I I just celebrate Krista with all my might for, for that courage, right? Like she could see very well, could have seen the experience or seen the exchange and then walked away like, man, what he dealt with was uh, less unfortunate, and then moved on with her day, right? And it still would have been me trying to convince people that um, this incident on Delta, on the Delta plane was a misunderstanding, air quotes, in the in the in the American way that misunderstandings happen with you know black men and white women sometimes. Um, and so, so all of that, but all of that I still file now. Now that I'm had the opportunity to kind of delve into this, I, 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 I Claire, I file it all under brain science right? Like, like everything about our bodies and our brains specifically are just designed to keep us safe. And, um, in those moments of fight or flight, in those moments where your body system moves into a space where it thinks it it's fearful, like it's going to, it's going to revert back to instinct. And, and that's where to me, I, I feel the, that's where the exciting part of the conversation is, um, because all of our instincts have been influenced by, you know, white male, colonial, patriarchal, um, um, Capitalist think, right? At the core of, of who, how all of us are socialized, that's in there, right? Regardless of what our values is, what our morals are, um, that that's in there. And and so in those moments where we're trying to decide, you know, what's safe, what isn't safe, uh, we're, you know, like our body's going to go back to the language first of all that we that we share. Whether we introduce the language into the lexicon or not is separate. Um, but there is a language that we all share as we navigate uh, these types of conversations. And, and, and and it's rare that the language that we have available uh, hits the mark. So, so we're, so we're kind of fumbling through this conversation with language that isn't really accurate or, or specific to the emotion um, with, with instincts that we don't, that we aren't always um, clear about, right? Like, so, so I might see a person respond in an instinctive way and my, the language that I have uh to go to is that uh they did that thing because they're a horrible person right and mm-hmm. um i've I feel like I've been able to expand that thinking to to an extent like the uh, my wife and I have a training um uh, facilitation that that we've uh put together um that's kind of designed to have this conversation around like what part about that how much of that instinct was just your body keeping itself safe um according to what what it had known safety to be Right, which is sometimes different than what safety actually is. Um, definitely far from, um, you know, those hard, stringent lines that we have. Like in a, in a sense that, like, I just showing up as a six foot three black man um, can invoke fear. Just me standing in <laughs> in my body uh, yeah. can can invoke fear, and I and, and I have to move through a world with with that type of wherewithal. Um, and with the hope that, you know, by having this conversation in this way, it can start reframing, um, yeah. you know, what, what it looks like and what it feels like.
0: I yeah. Know, Tima, I, um, answer. you know, as an educator, I, I'm really passionate about this work. And then, um, I'm in a marriage where, you know, my husband's black and I, and then the George Floyd situation during a pandemic really affected me, um, And, you know,
1: when you say affected you, like um, unpack that a little. So,
0: yeah, I just understand what Um, that means. I guess like I I, I'm experiencing it at a different level, being like having a family member now, having those Mm -hmm. same things where, you know, six, three black man where Mm -hmm. I see some of the barriers that he encounters. And, you know, I I expressed something on Facebook and I don't want to tell my story today. I want to focus on you. But. You know best baseball player in history in Alaska, really entering some big time barriers within systems mm-hmm. and um and it gets me like raged inside and i so it's a delta flight or that situation or i'm I'm almost just seeing these things, but what kind of hit me and i don 't know if it was like we're all on lockdown during covid and there's an image of a police officer's knee on a man's neck. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just like, I guess I grew up thinking we were making progress and then you see that and you're like, whoa, this is is intense and this is like, I wouldn't think we're making very much progress as a society. (laughs) So, I want to invite you right now, um, do you mind performing um, Bound Hand, Brown Man? And then we can unpack that a little bit.
1: Uh, Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk first, or do you want to? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I I'll start by saying this. Um, okay. Um, when, when in the message, when you, when you asked for the uh, George Floyd poem, right? And initially, I was like, "Man, is there a poem she wanted me to rec- that she had seen that she liked me to recite?" And that was where that's where I went immediately. Um, and then after clarification, I was like, "Oh, it's that poem." And um, the chilling part about this particular poem is it was written uh, for Oscar Grant. Um, like maybe 10 years ago right somewhere in that blur and even then uh there had been a number of people before oscar grant and and it's like man i'm going to write this poem and it's going to change the world uh and and then now at this point if i don't necessarily say who it's about or who it's for like any every few weeks there's a different name that could be associated uh with with the poem and that's speak that speaks to just your relationship to to the progress you know or like i think a second ago you were just of assessing how much progress we've actually gained you know um in, in the it's a performance piece so in in that vein there would be a, a loud exaggerated freeze you I'll, I'll spare everyone's uh speaker that right now uh so freeze uh, though i am frozen he has still chosen death for my life how could i have known that i would blow my last breath on this night here in the presence of christ Allah, Buddha, and Jah, I will be killed. And it may not be enough that they saw. A night stick around my neck, steel toes on my jaw, another bound hand, brown man, victim of law, but who cares? You probably figure I deserved it. Shit, I got a few priors, so that makes me worthless. I descend from an ape, so I carry curses, and he will shoot me like the beast he perceives. No use and no pleas, this is perilous. I can hear it in his voice. He's no longer at the crossroad. He's already made the choice, and that's to shoot, cuz. Shoot, cuz. All you got to say is you put that bullet in him because he reached for his waist. Reached for his waist? Yes, he reached for his waist. Go tell the jury that. you got a much better case. Don't worry about him. He's in a much better place, and we are the only eyewitness, so there won't be a trace. Now run along to your kids. Kiss your wife in the face. And thank all your lucky stars that we live in such a place. Uh, Not so fast, said the iPhone cam. Human eyes can't do what the iPhone can. I got the whole thing on the widescreen pan. You don't have to look close. Right there are his hands. Turn up the volume, you'll hear the screaming man. Stop, no, wait, please. The four words that he'd repeat while kneeling in feces and pee. Although those with souls can clearly see that he'd relinquished to the police his manhood, his dignity, his pride, just moments before he died. His mom, she bitched, she moaned, she cried to no avail because Holmes had lied. See, the police report the jury read said, bullshit. Uh, with no weapon, how could he have pulled it? Very simple arithmetic to explain that sick inside my pits I get each time that I see lights. On dim lit streets, real late at night. Oh, sure, you empathize my plight. I hear you speak of equal rights. But will you have to tell your kids that some justice just is? Thank you for listening.
0: Wow, I um, thank you, Kima. I think what you mentioned is when I said the George Floyd poem, like this has been happening since, you know, forever. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, um, do you feel like that's trauma for children, black children to see on TV, a cop with his knee on a a neck? Like, it's just like, Um, so much of this is just images in their heads. And how can we show up as white people to, to help change this? How, what are, what can we do? What can education um, do? I mean, and, I, those are so, loaded questions. I know, there's
1: like three of them in there. And I want to I um, start with the question about the trauma, right? And, and my answer is like, yes, it is. It's, it's trauma for kids. Uh, it's trauma for adults. trauma for white people, Black people, old people, young people. Um, and um, a uh, police officer uh, kneeling on the neck of of a black man for eight minutes is absolutely the american way right and so you know i i personally feel that that image um is a great starting point um meta- metaphorically um and and i can't speak for all black people and won't try right but metaphorically um as i understand the experience here um for for blacks um it has felt like a knee on the neck for eight minutes, right? And has felt like even at that point when we say, hey, uh, can't breathe, you know, it'd be cool if some of these policies, like I say, you know, my time in Milwaukee is, will, will, will forever affect um, how I see this this conversation. Um, I, I grew up in Philadelphia. I grew up between Philadelphia and Dirt Road, Georgia, and then I was here. I went to college in South Georgia, and then I've been in um, – in, in Anchorage, right, the Sangra line. I'll get back to that here in just a second. Um, so my my um I being living in the north side of Milwaukee, and and this is Googleable. Uh, every failed American system lands within about twelve square blocks in Milwaukee, right? Like um, Milwaukee is the most segregated city in the country. Um, they wrote the blueprint for redlining. Um, and, and the domino effect from redlining is: once we know where a certain demographic is, we know which uh, which neighborhoods to over police. Uh, when we need to fill these jails, when we, when we create these jobs, when we when we build these uh, in, these facilities in these rural areas as a uh, political uh, offering, right, into places that that need industry. So we'll give them prisons as an industry, and then we have to give them bodies. Right, and where we're we gonna where are we gonna get these bodies from? We'll just over police these areas. We'll create uh, systems where where you actually can be, you know, like a, um, you know, it's it's a, they have a crimeless revocation there, and I and I could go policy wise. This could be another podcast, right? But just as a crimeless yeah. revocation comment, you know, like that's a policy that says I they, someone could take my physical body away from my family, uh, and 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 put me in an institution without having committing a crime because of a crime I committed so long ago. Um, but the system still needs bodies and they still need access to these bodies and and getting these bodies from the equivalent of, and I'll just throw Mountain View out there just to keep it in, in terms that Anchorage can understand. Um yeah. how like how much do we really care if if they go get the bodies from Mountain View, right? Um somewhere in our somewhere in our socialization we'd even say that those bodies needed to go because um you know, bodies are in Mountain View just creating and committing crimes anyway. So if, if, I, if a body ended up in the back of a police car, um, we probably won't question that, right? We probably won't question the system that says once we have your Social Security number, we'll, we'll just keep it um, through some form of, of uh, oversight or uh, supervision. Um, and, and it's the, you know, it isn't the system. It's the you know understanding that these things are happening and, and not, uh, engaging those things, so like I think that's question number two. What could be done? Um, and and my thing is my thing is just kind of be. Um, there's so there's so much happening, Claire. Right. Like there's a point where I I know I, I get overwhelmed with like what conversation do I have the capacity for, right? And so I feel like that's the first order of business. I was listening to the podcast with SoVag, and and just uh, first of all I just love vague and. Just her intention for every moment that she's ever in, you know. Um, and I, she, she mentioned something in that podcast that I think is is really important to this, and that's just I think having a, having having the centering to to know what conversation you have the capacity for in the first place, right? And that's mm-hmm. probably the healthiest thing possible because from there you know which um, conversations you. You, you should or should not be a part of, right? And that type of clarity will will help you with your bandwidth. And that's white, black, or indifferent. Like I've, I've had to be very selfish with my energy lately, um, because I just capacity wise um, don't don't have that roller coaster in me multiple times a day. You know, yeah. and and if we're having the conversation, it is a ride for me, because that's the only one. Those are the only conversations I want to be in. The ones that that are meaningful and the ones that will take me to. It's a lot of different emotional spaces. Um and so I I personally have have made the choice that, you know, I just have to protect my bandwidth in a way to, to where like I can only lend that energy to conversation that are that are in the, the solution stage. Um and there and there are converse, there are conversations as widespread as like what is Juneteenth, right? And and honestly, Claire, I d I don't have a lot of capacity for those. I'm gonna need you to do that research on your own. Um conversations. Wait,
0: about, oh, right. Like what is Juneteenth? Yeah, is exactly. I can't start there. Yeah. I,
1: I, I can't start personally, you know, and, and yeah. that's a decision I've had to make personally. And I, that's kind of where I, um, I think being clear about what conversations you have the capacity for, which conversation you have certain um, interest and skill set in, and then being humble enough to fall back on all the other ones, you know, and I think that that right now, it's such an exciting conversation. Uh, so new that I, everyone wants to be in all the time. And then, and then I, you know, that could be overwhelming because you'll, you'll find yourself in a, in a, you know, (laughs) on a Facebook comment thread that that could emotionally suck out the rest of your day. Yeah. You know, and, um, because on some levels we're like, we're just having this conversation at different uh, levels of understanding, um, different frequencies emotionally. And so, um, you know, I think that's number one, but the, the idea of not doing anything isn't acceptable to me. Right. And so I, I can't necessarily tell you what to do. Um, because I think once, once you're able to, to figure out where you are in the conversation and, and, and that could be just to fall back and watch the whole thing and just learn that could be like, um, engaging it in the way that I've, I, you know, I saw you were moved to do with uh, Jamar's situation and, and, you know, and, and everything else in between Claire, you know,
0: yeah. um, To be honest Kim I felt like a a bit of a failure with that situation because I experienced like I got overwhelmed with it and I don't know if it was because it was on social media but I also like he's trying to build a facility in Mountain View and I kind of got fearful that like this was gonna like stop a facility getting built um, because money and white power is so like I got a taste of that during that like (laughs) and I also felt like I had to like be really careful like I was like whoa like this is really scary to like bring this up and I I kind of retreated and I it was an experience I've never had before um (laughs) and I don't know if it was like social media but like I got nervous that like us talking out might stop like a facility that would be free for the children in Mountain View. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I love
1: that you use the word retreat. I retreated. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, cause that's the spirit of what, what our facility is for. Um, cause the retreat is just to fall back. And so, so the idea is to retreat and regroup and there, you know, there might be times where that's necessary to retreat regroup and then yeah. re engage. Um, that, that, uh, Awareness. I won't call it fear, right? I will say that awareness is real. That awareness is a part of the um, trauma, right? The terrorism that people have felt um, in in this country. Like, like if I, you know, if I say this thing, um, how how is it going to affect my family? And self preservation is instinct. There, like, there's a point where you you so that's instinct, right? So that that thing you started feeling of how is this going to affect, uh, how, how will this affect a facility that I know is going to be good for this community um, by speaking up on an injustice that I know happened to me as well, right? And the answer is like both of those things are, are mutually exclusive and then they're not as well in this paradigm because it could come back to haunt you, right? There could be one singular human that felt that you got out of line and will make it their mission to inter- interrupt your progress. Yeah, um, and that and that type of tension is, I think, a tension that uh, people of color live with it, live live with, right? They're like, there's a point where you stay, you know, you stay within the zone or within the parameters that that people have decided you're supposed to be. And if you have the audacity to to try to imagine yourself outside of those parameters, you you know you do that knowing that you could be at the mercy of someone who decided that you're off the plantation. You know, right. back to that. Eight minutes on the neck right the very first um humans who were deputized deputized here were deputized to, m- to make sure people stayed on the plantation right and then it was like making sure they stayed on the reservation and then it was like making sure they knew that this was america and not mexico anymore right so so at at the core of what that institution has always been it's been there to um address uh people of color you know um making sure that we're in the spaces that you've decided, or it's been decided that we're supposed to be. And and we're not touching property that that is decided it isn't ours. Um, And all, you know, like I'm not, all those things are fair, you know, on some levels, but when you get to the core of of, um, the spirit of those institutions and and each, you know, if we just perpetuate them in these real, with with real superficial um, rhetoric, we just keep yeah. giving birth to the same systems, and so there's a point where our language has to change. Um, again, our willingness to 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 to, to address the thing, um, and that you know, like that audacity, it takes courage. So I I applaud your courage. I followed it. I followed it, you know, on on in the social spaces. So I could I could
0: you know you could I, feel I could, the uncomfort. Could, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, how, and how necessary it was
0: yeah like um you know as an educator i'm hustling and i'm like let me figure this out achievement gap out which came out, you know just to be honest with you i'm sure you know there's an achievement gap with black students in our district and also, also alaska native students and Samoan and polynesian you know, they're suspended the most and it's mm-hmm. glaring like 20%. Uh, they have 20% proficiency compared to white children that have like 60% profi- in reading and math, 60% mm-hmm. versus 20%. And that's not at, like, that, that's like a district wide thing that matches a national level. And so I see educators like hustling and, you know, I, I see myself doing that work and I, but then when I see a system like A baseball system and it's so glaring it's like hey you got to be part of the progress too but anyway um last night i watched brene brown who reminds me of solvay (laughs) Um, Uh. she's great but she talked about this work and she said for white people your comfort is not at the center of this discussion and i think that as white people It's gets really uncomfortable, really fast. Uh I think it's trendy right now to say black lives matter. And then it's also trendy. What I'm hearing now from people is, oh, black lives matter movement is actually a violent organization. And then I want to challenge like anyone who's listening to actually dig deeper and think of all the white journalists that are telling us that story about black lives matter. <laughs> and so it's, there's so many systems and it, like you said, it's just so overwhelming. Um, but is there like, you know, and if you don't, it's, it's okay, but I've heard a lot of white allies and you know hey i'm gonna listen i'm gonna stop my social media and listen but i don't know if people actually have people they're listening to and yeah. so do you have any advice for um anyone on this podcast you know be part of conversations but how do you interrupt things like how well
1: there's just that's a thank you for that question claire because um, the the version of me that's moving back to Anchorage um, knows that interruption will be necessary. Yeah, I can't say I'm moving back to interrupt things. I'm saying that um, my babies are here. Uh, my babies are at the mercy of these systems, and um, these systems have to be interrupted, right? And yeah. um, living living in in Wisconsin has taught me the difference uh, between an ally and an abolitionist. And that clarity is, um, that, 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 that clarity will, will guide my, um, my answer to this question, right? So there, diff- there is a difference between an ally and an abolitionist. And as a, as a black man, um, I know how important both are and I'm now learning how important the clarity of those positions are as well. And um, the ally energy for, for me is um, the, the energy that will, will be very focused on helping me um, manage systems that are not fair or equitable. And then the abolitionist energies will, will, will be more focused on dismantling or reimagining systems that would require me to have to to be resilient in the first place right and those are two different uh, thought processes those are two different humans and um i think anchorage has fallen into the ally energy as a way of life as a as a you know because first of all i i will i, I will tell you if you're an ally or an abolitionist right like that's you don't even get to say that you're an ally Mm-hmm. You, you get to be an ally, you get to be an abolitionist, and then your your movements will will then speak for themselves right so just the idea that i can you can self declare as an ally is already a as i see it um a, a problematic start yeah <laughs> um yeah because then there's there's this, all that takes is you deciding and and if, and and yes that intention will be necessary in and kind of ordering your steps if you will. Um, but if if allowed to just kind of get the get the badge or get the ribbon and you know, get the sticker without really emotionally engaging this conversation, then we just keep looping. We'll have another loop around this opportunity that was missed. Right. And and you know, when you understand American history, these 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 moments are rare. And um at this this go around, I think we have the lessons and now we just need the um humility. Right. And mm-hmm. and the you know, one of the sayings we have at the I mean at the retreat is, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to have a safe space, right? And in putting it together, we just don't want a safe space. It's a brave space. It'll be a, a mm. space that you know you'll be safe in. You'll be safe there to have brave conversations though. Um, we want people in the room from different from polar opposite point point of views because somewhere in the middle of the truth. And until we're in the room and until we're in conversation, um, that doesn't happen. Everyone just kind of, you know, back to back to that socialization, like from, from the little league level, um, we are socialized to rah our team and to thumb our noses at the other, right. And that's outside of race. That's just, once I determine that you're on the other team, it's like, how do I, how do I put my knee on your neck? That's, that's the American, <laughs> the American way, um, and we do it with jerseys on, we do it with, um, you know, high school logos on, you know, but at the core of that spirit, I, th- I feel that that becomes a, a hindrance when we are trying to kind of sort through some really important and necessary necessary conversations, you know? So let's say, you know, and I'll hopefully go into the third question you asked about the education piece. There's a, um, as a parent of, let's say, you know, my my children have um um very chocolate hue, and then as a matter of fact, they referenced themselves growing up as uh, as they were trying to sort through race uh, they would reference themselves as chocolate and peanut butter right <laughs> um, and in in anchorage and and like you you mentioned that, that it's a conversation that, that's that's kind of national so like you know so um my daughter and our daughter and um Milwaukee uh, went to a private school. Um, school same school. My father went to um, predominantly white. Uh, the kids here, right? If if being, let's say, I'll I'll I I'll try to spare you the ramble, right? But like the position of a uh, that a black parent in this city or a parent of color is in is this. Um, I can homeschool, and I and I have a really good friend who took that option. Um, or I, ha- I, can, I can send my child to a building that I know is being under-resourced, right? But they'll have, but in that building or and in that building, they'll have adults who are able to support them, their, their, their cultural development, right? Mm-hmm. But they just won't have, you know, the, the kid to technology ratio is not, it won't be the same in that building. <laughs> uh, and then, Or the other option is, and this is the option that, you know, um, my, my co-parents and I are, are. This is the track we've been on. Is like I could send them to a building that I know is uh, getting the resources. um In some cases, over-resourced, um and then there there won't be one adult in the building who looks like them, right? Mm-hmm. So they so they get a air quotes good education, um but on a day where you know one of you know I, I have two two stories like really quick is like one yeah. one of my daughters had a instance where she wore you know these really beautiful afro puffs to school and um you know like fourth graders would do she was teased and the rest of the school day though like um like she was teased he was addressed right like he was reprimanded for teasing like he said her hair looked like you know her head had had exploded um but the part for for a parent for me like the, the part that just still breaks my heart about that story is like for the rest of the school day there wasn't one human being in that building that could, that could put their arm around her and say, uh, your hair is beautiful. I mean, you could, you could, they would, it was said to her, like, it's okay. He doesn't know what he's talking you know, like you're beautiful. Um, but in a like shared lived experience in like a, I see, I, I, I have pictures. Here's a picture of me with Afro Pulse when I was in fourth grade, right? Like for the rest of the school day. Um, and I would even say school year um, that that's a, that's a thing, right? Like, and, and so as a, so when we when we look at these systems and especially education ones, like how how like it from on an as an administrator, right? Like how much intention is put into like um, I know like, like clearly my my kids would, you know really advanced in a in a reading writing and arithmetic kind of way, and um, in other areas, cult- as, as it relates to their cultural development, like we we have to be hyper vigilant about supplementing that knowing that they won't get that in that building you know and that's a that's a understanding amongst um i'll say families of color right the trade-off is i can i can send my kids to an air quote good school knowing that they will be going through a school day where very very little of the experience will will consider them in a genuine authentic way consistently you know um, yeah. Or I can send them to this other building that I know is like, <laughs> that the eye wink, and this is not even talking about the building, because do, being a, doing the work that I was doing before I left, I was in all the buildings, which, which I think gives me like, like, so I know the humans that, that are teaching in, let's say, say, Mountain View Elementary right now, like I've done work in that building, I know the, the heart of the teachers, I know the heart of the lunchroom ladies, right, I know how they feel <laughs> about you know the the school you worked in in Muldoon, right? There's there's a point where it's the indictment isn't necessarily on the humans that are in the building. It's it's the all the rest of us that could watch these budget lines come down and 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 not push back on that, right? Because again, back to self preservation being instinct. You know, if my kids are good and if we have the great, you know, if our our our, our pupil to technology ratio is is dope, why am I, why do I care that that the other building didn't get what they need? And I'm specifically not naming names of schools because it really comes down to like if we are all saying that, you know, in a fair and equitable society and community that education matters, kids are important, then we all should want all of these buildings to get what they need. You know, and this eye wink of, you know, we'll we'll figure out how to how to write the laws and write the systems in a way to say, you know, well, these taxes go here and this is go there and, and this is just and then this is just the way it is. (laughs) <laughs> That's the eye wink, right? That's the right. All right cool and then we'll just all right cool. We'll just do this again another generation and then keep asking these um ridiculous rhet- rhetorical questions of of why and how and how did we get here and what, what's going on with this crime rate and how do we man, you know. Um cuz again that short-sighted um socialization would say you know crimes are happening in a certain zip code because humans in that zip code are just trash ass humans um hey, next I, question I, you know?
0: as an educator i i think like so i just um i just finished my doctorate which is awesome i'm like so glad to get my life but for my doctorate <laughs> i um and i know we're going kind of long so i'll make it short but I went to visit my husband's family in Costa Rica and he, they they're Caribbean. Like it's all black. Like I was the only, Coita is where, um, where we visited, which is where my husband's mom and dad dad are from. Um, and he has this uncle Dexter and he's like, what's taught in schools is not our history. And so Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. gave me the whole light bulb for my dissertation. So what I did is I interviewed parents in Mountain View and asked them like, what's wrong with their education system and one thing like I know how funding works like I, Mountain View Elementary gets more money than because um, they're title one schools, so they actually get a lot more money than let's say a school that um, doesn't have free and reduced lunch but one sure. thing that I want to point out and just is that there's so much historical trauma with schools with Alaska Native and African-American Black families like And when I taught at Muldoon, I remember getting an intercom announcement being like, hey, Claire, so-and-so needs to stay later. Grab your phone. I'll tell you why. Their parents were just arrested. They couldn't get picked up that day or stuff like that. And that trauma that, like, the children are, like, walking through and then it's just, like, overwhelming. And so what you talk about with – I mean, there's a whole thing, the school to prison system, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, where kids are being suspended more, we're almost in school nationwide, we're almost prepping them to maybe get arrested. (laughs) Uh And, and educators have to dive into this work, because it's like, even if we put a laptop in front of every kid, it's like society, like schools represent society, so when we're suspending black kids more and then they're all, their parents are getting arrested. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes. There's absolutely. And a so, blue line.
0: Yeah. And so, um, I just want to continue that conversation and I want to get you in front of leaders because, um, it's not obvious, you know, and it, it's like, why is this not obvious? We need to make it obvious. And, um, and I, you know, I know your children and I love your children, but it's heartbreaking that a child would go through that. Um, and so in my opinion, there needs to be emergency ways to get more diversity in our school, whether it's like waivers for teaching certificates. I don't know what it would be, but you know,
1: yeah. Thank you for this, uh, you know, this conversation. I think like, I'm, I'm really excited about, um, you know w- what this could look like moving forward, um, and and I think Anchorage is such a Alaska is such a young state that we yeah. have the advantage of uh, being able to, to to look at what and I think that's the spirit of how the state was set up. You know, looking at what didn't work in other places and and applying the polar opposite here, and um, yeah. I think these conversations are opportunities to to be. Clear about the parts that aren't working, right? Even the parts that yeah. feel good <laughs> um, mm-hmm. at the core, there's fundamentally some blind spots, and um, those blind spots can not can be are costly. You've so so been such
0: a, um, a ray of sunshine in so many people's light life, and I'm glad you're back in town and. Um, I'm grateful for the space you're, you gave today. I know your time and space is precious and um you're so articulate so I just want to I just want to thank you. So
1: thank you for this uh platform.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll talk to you soon, Kima.
1: Alright, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you. Bye.